The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Six Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brits, and I'm your host. It's Wednesday, January 19th. That means two things. One, my son is finally going back to school. And two, <laughs> it's a pretty great football show! What happened to Robbie? What happened to Robbie? He was out in that. He, he was in protocols. for. Uh, oh, was he? Yeah, there were a bunch <laughs> of kids that got, um, got the old... Uh, you got the, the vid. You got the Ronan. The Cron. I think it is. Cron. What do they get Cron when it's Corona? I, I don't get that. What's the Omicron variant? Oh, I got you. Oh, got you. The I assume you got the Cron. I mean, I've got a buddy who likes to mess with the name and just butcher it every time he says it just because it irritates people. They're like so funny. frustrated that he can't say, he'll usually say, Oh, am I Cron? Or well, how do you pronounce it? And like people get irate about it. Like, you don't know the latest variant of COVID. Are you serious with me right now? It's Delta Alpha Omicron. Yeah. Um, anyway, we don't need to go to Diva's like <laughs> breathing in a paper bag right now. <laughs> um, so uh, we, yeah, we're uh, yeah, we record this on Tuesday. It's Tuesday night. I was uh, actually uh, cooking uh, supper. You know, what I was making nice meatloaf what? parmesan. Meatloaf parmesan. Yeah, I was surprised. It, it was in one of those like. Um, so you take a big slab of meat, right? No, you make your, some, make your loaf. Ground beef. Mix it with panko. Yeah. Mozzarella. And you, you mix panko, mozzarella, and olive oil together. Then mix that with the beef. Turn it into two little patties. Bake them in the oven, and then do a spaghetti toss. Uh, you know, just do basically spaghetti. Does it look like it's like breaded, like a cutlet over it? Yes. Well, it's supposed to, but I forgot to put the panko on top. <laughs> That's key because I feel like it, it. If it doesn't look just, like some sort of parmesan, it can't really be a parmesan. Correct. Um, this place called Two Guys in Raleigh that closed a long time ago, but we used to go when I was in college, used yeah. to do, it was called the Hillsborough street special. And it was veal. Uh, one thing of no one uh, eggplant Parmesan with a veal cutlet on top. So it was like combo Ooh. eggplant veal. And it was, Oh my God, my favorite, maybe my favorite. That sounds dish. very good. There's a Spanish dish at a restaurant I'm going to tomorrow night. That does something kind of similar to that, but is that Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday? That's Wednesday. So tonight, really tonight. I'm going to tonight. Tonight, excuse me, excuse me. Sorry, all right. All right. We're, we're in the time continuum right now. I don't know where we're at. Um, what was I just going to ask you? Oh, so on, here's the thing: is I'm kind of a, a chicken parm like connoisseur. Mm. So when you start throwing in like other meats into it to make it like a parmesan, kind of offended. Like, oh. I don't know that. Yeah, um, I'm not sure what that has to do with the Spanish restaurant, but sure, it has nothing to do with the Spanish restaurant because <laughs> it's a Spanish dish that's got veal. Eggplant underneath. There's cheese on top, but it's oh. with rice, some veggies, other stuff. Oh, kind of feels like it's similar, but it's not exactly that. It's called you, you, didn't, you didn't mention that when you said the Spanish restaurant. Yeah, no. I, you just. I, you I, just I don't want to go that direction. I wanted to actually just judge you for the fact that you tried to make meatloaf parmesan, which I feel like is a slap in the face to chicken parmesan. Uh, it's really a slap in the face to the entire country of Italy. And Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. By the way, you want to offend some people? Say. Italians instead of Italians. Italians. My wife's Italian. She hates when I say Italian food. I um I'm on the thread with uh Pete Prisco and I, I think Nick Costos is maybe Italian. Maybe he's Greek. I don't know. Who he's um, Greek. He's Greek. Costos is Greek. But he's, he lives in New York, and so naturally he's like an Italian snob. And I was like, Yeah, I got this really good um 
eggplant parm the other day and they're like an eggplant parm in raleigh burr. <laughs> I'm like, shut the hell up because only good food can be in new york right oh it's the right. water it's the water the people blah 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 all right let's yeah. move on let's people move are on. trash and the water's trash too uh anyway so no offense new yorkers um <laughs> if uh we've offended italians and new yorkers at least they're <laughs> uh oh i think we may have a a new foe is approaching um Anyway, if you're watching on YouTube, youtube.com slash pick six. Let's see him. <laughs> What's up, Robbie? Can you say, hey, Mr. Brady? Hi. Say hi, Mr. Brady. How you Brady. doing, bud? Hi, Mr. Brady. What's up? What do you need? Uh, where are the Henry Stickman plushies? I don't know. You're going to have to go. You have to, I'll tell you. We'll figure that out afterwards. That is not something you interrupt a podcast for. <laughs> um, go eat your pizza and play your iPad. Um, he gets pizza. He doesn't get the meatloaf parmesan. What happened there? Yeah, no, oh, no, no, no. He doesn't, he doesn't eat what we eat. It's, it's pretty bad. Um, anyway, youtube.com slash pick six. Sorry, he's been interrupting a lot lately. Last seven days, really. Uh, youtube.com slash pick six. Like, comment, and subscribe. Tell us your tell us your most offensive Italian uh, restaurant dish. Um, yeah. And uh, if, you're, if you're listening on Spotify, give us a five-star rating. They've added that now. Uh, are we just going to dive right into Read Between the Lines? Is that a reopening? Right, let's, uh, we're going to open with Read Between the Lines. I'm not going to look at the, the, the things. I'm going to let you... Unless you want me to read them to you. No, no, no. I'll read them to you if you want. You can read whatever you want to me. I'll always have a reaction. But let's start off with Mike Tomlin on Ben Roethlisberger not being with Pittsburgh in 2022. Quote, we're proceeding with that assumption, and they're excited to find the Steelers' next franchise QB, end quote. Uh, Will, read between the lines here. Um, <laughs> I think that... Mike Tomlin is unsure, uh, like the rest of humanity, Mike Tomlin is unsure if Ben is actually retiring and may think he just wanted to soak in all the attention for the last couple of games and doesn't believe that Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins are the future of the, <laughs> <laughs> Stop, the, future of the franchise. Oh, Robbie, your dad is funny, one. And two, uh, I, I, I'm kind of right there with you. I, I think it's like, Let's just go ahead and address it and let's move forward with the fact that Ben hasn't told us anything. So we're just going to proceed like he's not going to be here because, well, we probably should have been doing that for the past couple of years and we didn't. And oh, by the way, we're excited to find the next Steelers quarterback because the guys we have on our roster aren't that. So we've got to start looking elsewhere. The biggest question becomes, do they make a play to trade for someone mm. or do they draft? I'm more inclined to think that now if they're going to proceed like Ben's not there, they feel like it's a safe, safe place, safe space to go ahead and draft a first round quarterback this time. Yeah, I would think so. And they're going to get ridiculed mean, on some local radio show by Ben, right? Well, remember last offseason, Kevin Colbert like put Ben on. And Kevin Colbert's retiring, by the way, after the draft, which is a, a little odd to retire. It's like, well, here's my parting gift to you. Hope it yeah. doesn't suck. <laughs> Good luck. Here's Kenny Pickett. Hope you like him. Um, I don't know. If, if I were the incoming GM, I would sort of want to – if I were the next GM, I'd be like, yeah, look, if you're going to pick a quarterback, why don't you, you gonna let me know? Do we know who's going to be the next GM? Or they, I mean, I guess not. Yeah, but didn't Ozzie Newsome do that with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore and then Eric DaCosta took over? So it's it's kind of like it can work out in your favor. I mean, that's at least one example. I am with you, though. It's like – um, hey, uh, I built this house. I'm not going to live in it, but you're going to live in it. Have fun. Yeah. <laughs> See um, ya. And by the way, it has uh, it has rats and crabs. So yes, and it also is uh, haunted. In fact, uh, the guest <laughs> bedroom on the second floor it's haunted. There's a damn ghost in there. You're going to have to call the Ghostbusters. R.I.P. Bob Saget, though, no longer with us. So oh man, all right, yeah. Bob Saget. So I, I just just a quick uh, click through of um, like five po possible. Uh, next GMs and the the top two guys mentioned on this like Steelers Wire article were Omar Khan, who's the uh, Steelers VP of uh, Football and Business Administration, um, and you know uh, he's he's up there in the organization. That would be that would be the most likely scenario, and would also be the the perfect DaCosta situation as well, because like to your point on the DaCosta thing. Ozzy draft, drafts, does the draft, and then walks away. And DaCosta is drafting with Ozzy. You know, like they're, I mean, Ozzy's making the calls, but they're talking right. back and forth. And maybe most importantly, let's say Lamar Jackson doesn't work out. It's not on DaCosta technically. 
you know, it'd be on Ozzy who is, you know, no, no longer is, is retired or, or in a figurehead position. So that it actually does make sense if that's what they're doing. So uh, Brandon Hunt was the other guy listed Steelers pro scouting coordinator. Um, I would bet that it's Omar Khan is ends up being the GM. Um, yeah, if, if, I'm not going to make a bet on that only because uh, I think ultimately, no matter who they bring as general manager, they need to start looking at that offensive coordinator position. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't care who they draft. I don't care who they'd bring in. Uh, I just. I didn't think Matt Canada did a good job this year. And I no think kidding. if it was Mason Rudolph, Dwayne Hass, it doesn't matter. I mean, they're they are not play, running an offense that I think is conducive to what you need to do at the NFL level. At times, there's too many dink and dunk. It lacks creativity. It lacks a lot of things that I think you'd hope for. Um, at least if you've got that sort of wide receiver talent on the outside. Granted, Deontay Johnson can't seem to catch the football anymore. Mm. So that, it's not Matt Canada's fault. But the reality is um, they need something more out of that group. And yeah. spare me the, hey, our offensive line's this or Ben's this at this point in time in his career. That offense stinks, bottom yeah. line. Matt Canada falls upwards everywhere, everywhere he goes. It's unbelievable. Like he was at NC State and essentially got let go, but then went to Pittsburgh and got the OC job there and then managed to end up being like an interim head coach at Maryland. And then all of a sudden- just, the DJ Durkin situation. I mean, he's just, yeah. it's it's odd. And I think at, in Pittsburgh, at Pittsburgh, he had a good year there. I remember talking to Nathan Peterman because remember he stayed on when Canada, I think, left after that. I, maybe he went to Maryland, but I want to say it was like Jim Chaney who maybe took over and he was like, yeah. He goes, Jim Chaney runs an NFL offense. He goes, Matt Canada was like a high school offense. And I'm sitting there going, oh, okay. Wow. Like, you don't hear too many quarterbacks say something like that. He's like, and look, I performed well in it. But he said, the, you know, he goes, the, the difference is it didn't prepare me well for the next level. Mm, interesting. That is, uh, that is, that is, <laughs> he runs a high school level offense. That's not, not exactly a ringing endorsement. Um, anyway, yeah, I think, I think we'll see them prepare uh, for the, for the, uh, you know, for the eventual departure of Ben. But I, I was going to say next, last year, Kevin Colbert and, and the Steelers in general came out and were like, yeah, we don't really know what we're going to do with Ben. It was like, uh, do you, are you trying to say that you're just going to like cut Ben? And then that's when Ben was like, you know, I want to take a pay cut. I need to make less money this year. And it was like, uh, right, right, well, what do you mean? It's really just to sign TJ Watt. I mean, they couldn't have signed TJ Watt without big Ben. So that was his contribution, which obviously, you know, TJ Watt ties the record for most sacks in a single season. So right. no, yeah. thank, thank you. Um, big ben. All right, what's uh what's next? Next up, we've got Nick Casario, the general manager for the Houston Texans. Uh, talking about Deshaun Watson returning to the Texans, he says, more than likely, no would be the case. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, I, I don't I don't know that there's a whole lot of between the lines there. I think it's uh oh, actually, the between the lines could be, hey, everybody, we might hire Brian Flores. It won't matter for Deshaun Watson. <laughs> well, but wasn't Miami one of the teams he wanted to go play for? I mean, Flores, yeah. it, it does feel like this has more to do with the ownership there in Houston. Um, yes. and, and again, even though Brandon Cooks, did he catch a thousand yards again this, this season? Uh, he didn't. He was like, Brandon Cooks is the most productive receiver in the NFL that no one ever talks about. And he's been traded 17 times, too. Right. And he just, he just catched a thousand yards. 1,037 on 90 catches. Okay, how many years in a row when he's healthy? When he's healthy, if he plays 16 games, he is at uh, six years in a row with a uh, with a uh, thousand yards. <laughs> it's like whoever talks about Brandon Cooks, he's so good. No one brings it up, but and he's uh, Davis Mills and Tyrod Taylor all season too. Right. I mean, it's uh, again. Uh, I'm not going to go into that tangent, but the reality is, I think if you're Deshaun Watson and Brian Flores gets hired, like, can you at least just acknowledge the fact that? Maybe he's a good football coach. Maybe you'd want to stay put. Maybe you'd want to play for him. Maybe you'd want to be with an organization that hasn't necessarily cast you to the side and, and has tried to work with you to some degree, I think. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I think other players, that might have been something that the organization did, uh, even though that's yeah, he's going to be traded the whole time, maybe even released to some degree. So uh, I'm, 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 sure that, I'm sure them keeping him actually might have been working against what Deshaun Watson wanted in the end. Who knows what he wants at this point, though? It's been so long since I had to talk to someone. And as far as the legal stuff, I mean, I suspect there will be something done before he has to make that deposition, which becomes public, what, in March, I think? Mm-hmm. That well, would be the timing of it. I was reading uh, Jeff Howell in The Athletic, was, had, was writing, wrote a story, um, like a, sort of a national notebook or whatever, and he, you know, he had Patriot stuff, Cowboy stuff, and then some Dolphin stuff. And he said that 
and I, I just I don't think I'd heard this reported before, but Stephen he said he he said sources told him that Stephen Ross attempted to set up a phone call on the eve of the trade deadline with Deshaun Watson because he wanted to ask Watson if he could clear up his legal stuff, you know, find a settlement, figure out a settlement, get it done with, and come play for the Dolphins. And Deshaun refused to take the phone call. That would sour, I think, any owner, you know, any any billionaire who's in a position of power. Who's trying to get you to come? You won't take my home. phone call. <laughs> like yeah. I'm a billionaire. Everyone yeah. takes my phone call, and especially if that's one of the destinations and one of the rosters you want to go play for. So, uh, not overly surprising. I don't think we—that's we, a surprise. Nick Casario would say that, but the, you know, you know how he's going to play it. He has to keep his cards close to the vest if he wants to try to maximize any sort of trade value that they have for Deshaun Watson at this point. And uh, I think Hal reported too that the Texans have been asking for five uh five things in return or like like basically three draft picks and then um and then like two players for Deshaun Watson which I mean good luck getting you know it, I mean I know we think he's gonna get traded but golly I mean good luck getting that much in return I don't I, I don't doubt that you get that in return I, I just I think we, what there's a lot of teams who can do it what organization is gonna take that on and, and I've said this all along like, forget about what is being alleged here. What's not being discussed is, like, even if he ends up settling and all that goes away, there is an element of, like, what essentially happened there. I mean, even in the cases where if it was consensual, didn't they sign an NDA? Like, wasn't there a pay-for-play type situation here with some of those women? There, no, no, that's The NDA is the, the issue, actually. I understand that point of it. But I'm saying they're basically admitting to him paying – for sexual favors, right? Right. Okay. Like NDA or not, like, are we not, are we not acknowledging what that is in this country? Like, uh, like uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, no, even if everything gets settled, this all goes away. They've still acknowledged that there was that going on. Right. And that's where I kind of just sit there and look like whatever organization trades for them is still going to have to deal with all that. This isn't like a, we're on to Cincinnati type conversation with the media. That it's, it, that's exactly right. This is hardly, and on to Cincinnati conversation. So, um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's a tough spot. It's I think it's going to be harder to trade in than people think. And if if the Dolphins are out, I mean, you can basically have, like, the Panthers and uh, the Eagles. I mean, the Eagles have the draft power. You tell me. Jalen Hurts and two first. first. Picks. Well, it's not like Howie Roseman is like a stack of quarterback rooms, a la Carson Wentz and Nick Foles. So he's done that before. Um, I mean, heck, he did have Sam Bradford, Carson Wentz, and Nick Foles, if I'm not mistaken, all at one point time on that roster. So and, yep. and Bradford was slated to be the starter that year. Yep. So and they trade, yeah. I mean, he, he is not afraid to trade anybody, uh, especially a quarterback. All right. All right, let's move on to this next one because this one to me is probably the most controversial, maybe, maybe not. Stephen Jones, quote-unquote, very confident that Mike McCarthy will be the head coach for the Dallas Cowboys in 2022. Um, it, Mike McCarthy said that, too, after the game. But is there any doubt in your mind? I mean, yes. with the way that game finished, like, do you really feel like they're going to pull the rug from out underneath them? I don't think that they're going to – see, um, it is weird that Stephen Jones – the problem is you can't – if you're Stephen Jones and you come out and say something, it is – it is creating a like you either have to you either have to say like you either have to say yes absolutely or you say something that's gonna like um you know murky you know it'll it'll mur didn't on, didn't Mike McCarthy put them in the situation in the first place though the way he went about addressing it like oh yeah I expect to be back and all that I mean it kind of forced that question to be asked to Stephen Jones or Jerry Jones yeah it did yeah I, I mean i think they would have asked it anyway though given how all how everything played out the issue i think that the joneses are going to have is and look i don't know that kellen moore is that like i don't know i'm not sure that he should necessarily be like that highly coveted as a possible head coach around the league but he's certainly getting interviews with teams and he's a young guy with a, a pretty good resume considered an up-and-comer you know offense wasn't exactly great but that could be mccarthy too he's he's dodging bullets here kellen moore is um but jerry loves the young guys that he finds whether it's a quarterbacks or the coaches backup quarterbacks turn coaches he really loves jason garrett kellen moore and, and then jason garrett back. i know and yeah, they do have the number one scoring offense they do have the number one you know as far as yards this year like kellen moore does have those ranks 
throw in his back pocket. I, I think one of the concerns I have, at least for some of the stats, is they tended to pound and beat up on like bad football bad teams. teams. I mean that that's kind of like what they've been considered, and then like they don't show up versus the better defenses or the better teams. Um, at least that's my my general feeling with it. So I, I I do wonder if there's some smoke and mirrors there. Here's my question to you: If you feel like the biggest improvement on your team has been your defense of Dan Quinn, which I think it'd be hard to be the next thing I was going to say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it'd be hard not to acknowledge that. Do you let Dan Quinn walk out the door when you're looking at him thinking? Are we letting maybe the best head coach we have on this roster of, of all these coaches yep. potentially walk out the door? Maybe Dan Quinn will be better suited for this team. I know it sounds crazy. I I think he's, he's a hell of a head coach, and I think he might be the guy that made the biggest difference for them this year. It, it's not, it doesn't sound crazy at all. I've been saying it for weeks now. If And Jason Lockenford reported that it's possible. If, if, if you're the Cowboys and you know that it, 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 Dan Quinn is going to take a job this offseason, I feel pretty confident. Like he's, he's, you know, his, his stock. Especially after that last play. He might've been watching that thinking like, oh my gosh, are you serious? Yeah. This is what I'm dealing with. Yeah, exactly. I mean, his stock, the, the only time his stock's ever been higher was right before he got hired by the Falcons. Cause he was coaching the Legion of Boom. And then when he took the Falcons, you know, to the, the two weeks, well, the two, the first two quarters of the Super Bowl, when he was like just taking care of business against Tom Brady and uh, and the Patriots, I I honestly think that like part of what happened with that Falcons team too is that the that Super Bowl loss caused them just to careen off the rails and it messed Dan Quinn up. I mean, you heard him this offseason; he's like looking, you know, hiring people to like ask him the tough questions and stuff like that. Um, at any rate, I I think if you're the Joneses. And Dan Quinn says, I'm taking the Broncos job. And you're like, if this guy leaves, what is our defense going to be? Because it hasn't ever been good before. Right. Micah Parsons loves him, right? Micah Parsons loves him. Trevon Diggs, you know, was chasing down night train lanes, you know, interception record that stood for, from a 12 game season that stood for like 700 years. And you think back to Mike McCarthy's days in Green Bay, you know, he got Dan Quinn, great hire, great, you know, huge pull. But by and large, Mike McCarthy has not had good defenses and hasn't, you know, I mean, he hadn't hired great guys to to operate the defense. Who I would be, I would, I, if it's me, I'm firing Mike McCarthy and giving the job to Dan Quinn if Dan Quinn wants the job. And I would assume that he would take that job. No, there's I mean, no doubt. It's a little awkward. I mean, you'd be, you know, you'd be stabbing your boss in the back a little bit, but. I mean, I, I, look, it wasn't like Dan Quinn was his first choice. I mean, obviously, Mike Nolan was that, right? And yeah, then Dan sure. Quinn comes in there and steals the show, if you will. And now you're looking at him as maybe the, the best coach on the roster. So why wouldn't you look – if you look at your roster every offseason and say, how can we improve at every position, regardless of who those guys are? And I think it's fair to do that with your coaching staff too. And this will be an instance where I think they'd regret if Dan Quinn walked out that door – and was no longer their head coach there in Dallas. And I also feel like he's just got a better feel for what it takes to coach a player today in the NFL. It's, it feels like Mike McCarthy's like a, a bit out of touch a little bit. Um, and, and maybe guys aren't necessarily buying into it. I mean, how do you explain the other utter collapses we see at times? How do you explain just the overall lack of energy in the beginning of that game? I mean, when you're playing at home, a playoff game, as talented as you are, and you can't come out with any juice whatsoever. I just, it was surprising to me to kind of watch that. I think that's a reflection of the head coach. I, I know everyone's going to make a big deal with the penalties, too. I mean, the reality is they were bad all year with that stuff. But I mean, but that's coaching. I mean, it, it is, it is, and it's not. I mean, it's not like Mike McCarthy's out there committing the penalties. And there's yeah. also dumb ones that, you know, you look at some of the players and some of the plays this season and go, all right. That's that's not on Mike. I mean, what do you want to do? Bench the guy? It's not like they have that deep of a roster where the next guy in is going to be able to compete and keep that job and not do the same thing. And then this thing with Randy Gregory, it's like, well, yeah, Randy Randy Gregory's not afraid to do something stupid over and over and over again. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's like you you got him on your roster. He's going to do something stupid off the field or on the field, just a matter of when, right? So uh, yeah, the and then the final play. The other thing too that I, and I've been stressing this yeah, the last 20, 48 hours when people ask me, you know, do these radio hits and everything is you can i mean mike mccarthy's like we practice that play it's like okay but you may practice it but i would get i would bet any amount of money that their um 
that the way that they practice it is Dak is like hold on for a second before you even make this point. You know who doesn't practice this play? The officials. Yeah. Officials yeah. don't. It, it, this is the problem with that entire concept. All right. You can't run that play under 16 seconds. You just can't. If you run that play and expect to be able to clock it under 16 seconds, you're gambling. And what may happen or what can happen did happen in that game. So that's on the coaching staff. Like that ball has to be end zone or out of bounds. Yep. I'm sorry. Like, I know other people will refute that and they're going to try to blame it on the officials, everything else. I don't care. We did a study back in 2013 with the Seattle Seahawks, and I can assure you, you're not going to be able to get off a play with any assurance that you're going to have another play if it's under 16 seconds. If you have one timeout, it can't be under seven seconds. It just can't. You, there's no reassurance that you can run one quick play, get down, call timeout if you want to kick a game-winning field goal. It's the same thing. And so it bothers me that they would then take that risk and not be surprised that the one person that's a wild card that isn't practicing this the way you were trying to practice. An practice external factor. Yeah, of course. Of course the officials are the problem. The officials are like, whoa. I mean, everyone at home is like, he's running a draw. And then, uh, you know, you can – And then it's, well, uh, I mean, So think about it this way. The only other recourse they would have had – was to have Dak go up and tell the official, hey, I'm running a draw. I'm declaring myself down as soon as I get down. And I think the dumbest argument that I've heard out there is, well, he should have slid sooner. Uh, okay. It, you think the, was it going to make that big of a difference for the ref? I mean, the reality is, what's a, a throw from the 40 to the sidelines or the end zone versus one throw from the 30? That's what you're talking about. And so I, I just I feel like you should have given yourself at least a couple of chances at either throwing to the sideline to get closer or throwing to the end zone twice and take your chances that way, especially if they're guarding the sideline. It was just so poorly mismanaged. And I think if you go back to Green Bay, there's probably a lot of people up there right now who feel like that was the story of Mike McCarthy when he was up there in Green Bay. Yep. Uh, all right. Dak had some comments after the game. We will get to those and the ensuing, the obvious ensuing ap apology from Mr. Prescott uh, after this break. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. So Dak Prescott, after the, after the game, was told that Cowboys fans, like ripping Cowboys fans from throwing stuff at, at Cowboys players as they're leaving. And then somebody's like, eh, actually, weren't they, throwing it? they weren't throwing it at the Cowboys players. They were throwing it at the officials. He was like, oh, well, you know, good for them. I commend them for that. And it's like, oh, Dak, even if you're trying to be funny, you cannot say that. The National, the NBA Referee Association came out and tweeted earlier tonight that they condemn Dak's comments and that oh. the NFL should and i'm good for them um they're like they're, i mean whatever yeah yeah let's just point the finger at everyone else all right we haven't forgotten uh who was the guy who was cheating on games yeah yeah okay hey how about you guys stay in your own court you know what i'm saying you have games on right now why are you right. tweeting about dak yeah um and then uh and dak prescott tweeted at uh 7 45 on tuesday night right basically right when we started the show I deeply regret the comments I made regarding the officials after the game on Sunday. I was caught up in the emotion of a dis disappointing loss, and my words were uncalled for and unfair. You know what that that is? That's just um, a reaction realizing that what I said was dumb. It was emotional. He just admitted to that. But it's also the feeling when, when you have a play that goes wrong like that, it's on national television for everyone to see. You're in a corner, man. 
Because, yeah. you know, after the game, the only questions being answered are, who called the play and what were you thinking? Why were you trying to give the ball to the center to then snap it? Like, we, we've been through this a thousand times doing yeah. this every single week in practice throughout college, high school, even, you know, the pros, obviously. Like, give the ball to the official. Everyone knows that. And so he probably felt dumb. He probably felt emotional. He probably felt drained considering what he came back from the year before. Yep. And he was just like, a you know, just just backed into a corner and felt like he had to take a swipe at anyone who was coming at him. So, I, like, I, I can see that side of it. Uh, it's just it's just foolish. I mean, again, it, the worst part about it is that either he didn't want to or couldn't in that moment say, oh, hold on a second, we're not going to run this, you know, uh, and, and second guess it. Because it, it was from a, a stopped clock. We kind of forget that. Yeah, you know they moved forty yards in eighteen seconds, and then it was this period of time before that play where you could have had a chance to do something different if you wanted to. Like I, I, I imagine if like you first brought that up, I'd be like, "Wait, what? No, yeah. no." Um, do you? By the way, just quickly on the play, do you think that when they were running it in practice, that they were utilizing people to play the role of the officials? Um, I mean, there was probably some equipment manager, or someone doing it. But the equipment manager most likely wasn't in the position that an actual official would be. Right, exactly. Uh, the clock's not being as run quite He's as not tight. Not an 80-year-old man. I mean, <laughs> well, and, and beyond that, I mean, you know, the the players, because it's not the same type of intensity, you know, they're not thinking like that too. Like find the official to give them the ball to then spot it, right? So there's all those things. I mean, hell, the official, a lot of times in those scenarios in practice, they've got multiple balls. If it's an equipment manager who's back there doing it, right? So he's already got another ball with him that he's setting down. It's not the ball that was from, you know, in the field of play. And and by the way, you know, that particular play, I, I again, this is more like we have a timeout. I'm going to run up, get what I can to make it a closer field goal, which you'd say, well, who would ever run that defense first hit, right? So I just, I, I've never seen a scenario where this makes that sen- that much sense. I mean, I don't even know, by the way, why you just wouldn't run a sweep to the right, to the outside of the sideline. Like what was what was the thought of their what is the three man front just because they're guarding the sidelines doesn't mean you can't take a three by one set and release your three wide receivers out to go block for you and let Dak run out of bounds like why does that play have to be a play that's directly in the middle of the field where I can assure you you're going to then have to clock the football where you don't even have an instance where you can sit there and say all right we might have a chance to get out of bounds and stop the clock here I understand they'll say well. It's harder than to get the ball back to the hash to down. What it seemed pretty hard, regardless uh, of yeah. depending on where the official was. So that study in, in Seattle, you're saying that um, you you guys figured out that any play is going to require 16 seconds, or like if you with a hundred percent certainty, all right, run a play and then run up and clock it with no timeouts to have a shot at the end zone or a field goal. 16 seconds was the cutoff. Okay. Anything below that, you're gambling. You're okay. basically saying this is either a, a last play resort, and, and, and that's fine. But the pro- the problem with that logic here is you were already in position to throw a Hail Mary, all right? So it's one thing if you're going to sit there and say that when you're like at the minus 40 or minus 35, right? But in this case, you were already in position to give yourself a shot. They ruined it because they they took that risk with 14 seconds left. Yeah, um, I agree. Uh, okay. Well, uh, what else I was going to ask you about? Oh, you have one more read between the lines. That's what it was. Well, this one's more in regards to um, the Broncos interviewing Kellen Moore yeah. and Dan Quinn, which it's kind of odd to me, right? Because you're looking at two completely different candidates, right? You have a guy who's been a head coach before. He's been to a Super Bowl before. He's defensive-minded like the coach you just let go of. And then you've got a guy who's never been a head coach before, an offensive mind, one of those more younger offensive minds, that you're bringing in when you don't have a quarterback. I, I just feel like I, I understand you may want to pick their brain, but it seems like it's a little bit two completely different end of the, ends of the spectrum. Try to read between the lines for that one for me. That uh, George Payton is trying to troll the Cowboys, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know. I agree with you. It is. I always find that weird when, I mean, you would think that it's sometimes, you know, I mean, not that you need to only select, not that you need to only go after one type of candidate, but if you're thinking, okay, we want, you know, this, you know, like what, what type of, I don't know, what type of coach do you want? Do you, you know, do you want to, 
I, I guess I agree with you. I don't want to say you should only like interview defensive guys or only interview offensive guys. You want to get the best possible head coach, but you know, I mean, there's a massive difference. Like, it depends on the job too. Like, I think the Giants' job, they need to get somebody with with a steady hand who can come in and sort of you know knows how. Like Kellen Moore, I, if I were Kellen Moore, I wouldn't want to go to the Giants because you've never been a head coach before. You're gonna have to learn how to be a head coach under this microscope with a questionable roster. That's that that's risky. And everybody's got to, you know, learn how to do it the first time, you know, at some point. I, I just, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's bizarre that they're going like, well, just, we'll just take somebody from the Cowboys. <laughs> um, I, I look at it and think to myself, you know, it, it's, there's so many moving parts, right? You've got an ownership group where John always been public about saying he wants to be a part of it. Uh, I floated the idea that I, I think, look, I wouldn't be shocked if the Mannings weren't putting a group together to try to buy it. Um, it's a storied franchise. It's one in which I think they can kind of pick and choose who they want to, you know, sell it to, um, which is nice. And I think they want to keep it to someone in which like, like a John Elway who they trust. So mm. I, I wouldn't be shocked at all. If John Elway doesn't have a group of investors lined up where he, he does part of that group, I, I'm sure he does, but I'm saying, you know, who, you know, who else does who Peyton M F and Manning. I'm sure he does. But the question becomes, would you be willing to give those two groups or one of those two groups a discount of a price to sell it to them as opposed to, I don't know, Jeff Bezos, if he wants to, when he's not riding his, his penis rocket uh, to, to go own an NFL franchise. That's what I'm saying. The thing looks like a, you know, um, big old. Not, well, I mean, if I'm, if I'm the, if I'm the, if I'm the group selling it, then no, you're not getting a discount. Cause I'm not going to be involved. In the, I want, that, I want the dynamics of it too. Like it's a bunch of kids who are going to yeah. get a piece of that. Right. So they're probably all saying to themselves like, yeah, we want to get the biggest buck possible because after we do this sale, like we don't have anything else. We We're just out. Cash out. It's like yeah. you can only do this once you can't mess it up. Like you can't out. have seller's remorse where you go, ah, I wish I would have sold for, you know, another 300 million. Cause you know, what's the difference between, you know, 1.7 and, and 2 billion. What's well, 300 million? That's a lot of money, right? Well, especially when you're splitting it five or six ways. How about the league just being like, listen, kids, you guys can't, none of you are good enough to run this. So, you no, know. you know, but like they'll let, they let like, um, it's like secession basically, right? I mean, that's succession, what yeah. we're talking about. It's, yeah. it's secession and someone stepped in, right? But it's, <laughs> but it's, isn't it weird how, um, other franchises have been fine letting, like the, you know, like, uh, Gail Benson is just running the, you know, she owns the saints, but they, they will just absolutely not let these bowling kids take control. I mean, maybe it's because it is like succession. I, I gotta be honest with you. Just being out there for a couple of years. It's a little sad. I mean, you know, Pat Bowen wasn't around a ton when I was there. This is back in 2010 and 2011. Yeah. You know, Joe Ellis was really doing a great job with kind of managing some stuff back then, a little turbulence, but it's sad because you'd, you'd meet some of the family members and it's sad that it's, it's not able to stay within the family, be run right. that way. Now, granted, you know, I don't have, you know, I, I'm not crying any tears for them considering what the payout's going to be like, they'll be right. fine. Yeah. Um, but the reality is there is kind of that, like, uh, it kind of stinks, you know, uh, I'm sure if, if, if Pat was here, he'd, he'd wish that it, it would have worked out differently in the end. But um, again, well, it's, a, it's a thing where there's a positive association with that family and that franchise, whereas, you know, like if Dan Snyder's kids were forced to sell this, I don't even have certainly his kids. If Dan Snyder's little kids, Danny? Yeah, maybe. yeah, little Danny, if his well, kids were forced to sell them. back. So my uncle worked in the private equity world in DC for a while. And um, we were talking because I do a radio show with LeVar Arrington. It was obviously drafted to the Washington football team, different name at the time. Sure. And he used to talk about how he'd see LeVar and little Danny. That's what he referred to him as. <laughs> um, when they go to the, the uh, what were they, the Bullets back then? But now that was too offensive, so it's the Wizards. The Bullets. Um, yeah. Bullets got out of here before yeah. Indians. Bullets got changed before the Washington football team's team. It's crazy, man. It's, <laughs> it's just, it, it's, it is what it is. But it was, when the Bullets was gone in the 90s, I think, when it was like, it was like, you know, back when, um, what did the '90s when the bullets got changed? Devo would probably know. I don't know. I mean, all I know is Michael Jordan played with his last team, and they were the Washington Wizards. Then I don't believe they were the Bullets when he played for them. I think they were Wizards. No, they were 100 were the Wizards. When Jordan. was Jordan's last year? Jordan came back in Again. 2001, I think, because he, uh, I think it's 2000, 2001 or 2002, maybe. No, he, he retired in April of 2003 for the final time. Wow. Okay. 
Because he drafted Kwame Brown in like 99 or 2000. And then it was immediately his teammate just bullying his first overall pick. Um, and then, yeah, they had changed from, but they like, it was when, it's like, was Michael Jordan the first Jackie Moon? I, I can't, I mean, <laughs> bullets, got, bullets got changed because I think it was like, in the 90s and there was a, just a ton of like rap music like death row records and it, you know the, the people up on like uh, like senators and parents and you know angry like there's too much violence <laughs> like, but, and now it's, it's like the people who are yelling it too like also like are members of the nra you know I mean, it's like right. so they're like no bullets can't have bullets <laughs> something like prisco um can we go back to the initial question though? It was Michael Jordan the first Jackie Moon from from Semi Pro with Will Ferrell from that movie? Uh, was, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I can't think of another like player front office member like that. Bill Russell. Well, I guess, but that was like way before my time. I don't remember that. So he was drafting guys. He was playing with them. Uh, he was time. coaching. There's, a, there's yeah, he was a coach player at that but point. Jordan right? stepped out of the front office role when he when he when he started playing. Did he though? I, I mean, so, did right? he? I'm, no, no. I'm just saying officially he stepped right, right, out. Right. But it's like you don't think he was walking into those meetings with like his uniform still on for practice or something? Be like, yo, like, what's the, like, <laughs> well, we gotta get this Kwame kid out of here. Whoever drafted him fired. <laughs> Do we have those this big check cashes, big big checks we can hand out too? By the way, to get people to come to the games here in Washington. That's great. Um, um, I was going to ask game. you about the uh, Raiders really quickly. They fired you know, Mike uh, Mike, uh, Mike Mayock. Ugh, yeah. Um, I I feel bad for Mayock because I think he's a probably a really good dude, smart football mind. You know, got that shot. You have to take the shot as a media member if you if you're offered the GM position. You have to. He, he was out for a while, right? And and then even as being part of the media, like right, he kind of got bumped out by Doug Flutie from the booth there in Notre Dame too. So it takes away a little bit of what his opportunity was. And yeah, I hope he's right. back on the draft because he's always the best, you know, as a draft analyst and scout. And that's where like I, I hope he finds another opportunity because he did do a great job. And I can I can say this with 100% certainty. The draft picks, it was not his final say. Correct. Yes. I was the- and I think it, it didn't take long to realize when guys started, you know, messing up off the field and how quick he was to move on. Yeah. You could kind of start to connect the dots. So it's unfortunate because I think there's some people who don't want to believe that and will try to throw his name, you know, as well, Gruden would do this fake ass thing where he's like, you know, look, I, I got to talk to my boss over here. It's like, nobody thinks you work for him, bro. Like, come on. Well, the other thing was that I think probably when it came out was the most telling was the coolest video that Antonio Brown ever made was like the whole Raiders phone call with like that very dramatic video he put together. But whose voice was it? It was John Gruden who's trying to entice him right. to come back. It is like, do you want to play football? Remember him kind of saying that to him on the phone? Yep. So that was who was ultimately making the call on Antonio Brown, bringing him on, on whether or not he was going to be on this roster. No different than a lot of the draft picks, which it, it seemed like John Gruden apparently only watched like some of the national championship games back then because all he drafted was Clemson <laughs> players and Alabama players. Like, have you watched any of the college football? There's other teams. I know. It's unbelievable. Like, Cleveland Farrell, like where they took him instead of uh, – Devin White or Josh, or Josh Allen. Allen or, I mean, you can go on down the list. Like, they had a ton of players you could have pointed to. I mean, the off-the-field concerns with some of the guys, you know, it, that was out there too. So, it, it's just – it's it, it really is sad because I hope he gets another opportunity at it. I, I don't I don't know if he will. depends on how it works. So I wanted, I wanted to see how he did – I wanted to see him do the draft this year to see who right. he would take because I'm just curious to know, like, what he would do if he was actually running a draft. Right. No, that, that was part of my curiosity, too, to see what he'd do as far as how what, what fixes they need to make. Because the other thing is they're building momentum. But I, I do think this is a bad sign for Rich Basaccia. Yep. And, and as much as I'm speaking Probably about Derek Carr mouth when I say this, well, maybe Derek Carr, we don't know. I mean, he, he had a great year. I don't know why we keep trying to push with Derek Carr. Uh, just give him some more help. Give him another one wide receiver, for God's sake. Yeah. Um, it, it's more of, in my mind, it's what you should do if you're Mark Davis. Like, you have this opportunity – to go out there and find, you know, not necessarily a general manager, but find a new head coach that can maybe be an upgrade. Like you have the opportunity to go do that. I do wonder if maybe Mark Davis talked to um, Mike Mayock about that and said, hey, we'd like to still do some interviews here because if we, if we hire a new head coach, 
we want to make sure the general manager fits. And he's like, nah, that ain't working for me. I feel like what Rich and I have done here has been good. If, if you're not sure, let me go. And, and maybe Rich Sachi is saying, I'll take my chances as the interim being getting the head job, or like maybe I'll stand on as the special teams coordinator to be with this team, depending on who you hire, right? Like there's all those things that are still up in there. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a messy situation. It is an attractive job though. You got a quarterback, uh, tough division, but um certainly, you know, and I think they'll be try I think they'll try and chase Jim Harbaugh. I wouldn't be shocked at all. Can we do a rapid fire real quick? Yeah, go, go, go. Okay. I'm gonna read through these. We'll talk about them like just 10 seconds. Okay. Rams actually serious Super Bowl contenders. Hell yes. Yeah, I agree. I actually think they're kind of scary because I think they could beat Tampa with the way they play this past week. I think that the and I said this on Monday show or yeah, Monday show. I think the or maybe Tuesday show because we recap Monday Night Football. I think the the way the NFC shook out was the worst possible draw for the Packers and the Buccaneers. Like I think the the Bucks would prefer to play the Cowboys, and I think the Packers would prefer to play the Rams or the Cardinals. That's fair. That's fair. I'm not I'm not gonna contend with that. Uh, I, I do think that if they run the football play the defense the way they did, they're not asking Matt Stafford to do too much, Matthew Stafford to do too much. He'll he'll do exactly what he just did. Take the football, be efficient. They'll yeah. they'll find ways of winning football games. All right, next up, Cliff Kingsbury's future should be in question in your mind. No, it's idiotic. He won eleven games this year. Why are we trying to fire Cliff Kingsbury? You win eleven games in the NFL, you don't get fired. Why don't, why are we not like why are we discounting the fact that they lost their best wide receiver? They lost their quarterback for a period of time. They lost, of the, they, they lost one of their best defensive players in JJ Watt. <laughs> like they they suffered a good amount of injuries. Like we, we no one seems to take that into account in talking about hey, well, they struggled down the stretch. Well, yeah, they were playing with the you know, walking wounded at that point. Yeah, yeah. I don't I got we got a heated argument about this on Monday after the Monday night show because Wilson and Breach were like, oh, you gotta think about firing. I was like, no, I was like, and also there is a 0.0% chance. I think the better question is have they reached their ceiling? Like, is this gonna be a team that we look at almost like Baltimore, where you say, All right, like we know they can get the playoffs, we know they can maybe win a game in the playoffs, maybe if Arizona accomplishes that next year, but can they do more than that? I, I think that's ultimately maybe what the question is, and either for Cliff Kingsbury or uh, Kyler Murray. All right, next one. Bills now team to be in the AFC East for a foreseeable future. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Patriots can keep reloading, but the Bills are clearly the best team in the AFC East. I agree, and I actually think the Patriots are at a point now where they're playing like they still have Tom Brady as their quarterback. Yeah. And even though we could try to compare the game of Mac Jones to Tom Brady, uh, and he had a phenomenal rookie year, <clears throat> they're not the same guy. And this team – I mean, look, Josh Duche barely played. Chase Winovich barely played. Those are young draft picks that uh, are you admitting misses on? Like, I don't really know how you go about, you know, explaining that. Uh, and so at this point, I think with what Josh Allen brings, with how the Buffalo Bills roster is, that's the team in the AFC East for the future. Uh, officiating remains a massive problem in the NFL. Yes or no? It's the NFL's biggest problem. They refuse to address it. It's an absolute comet con. The way that this they implemented, and I know just people who listen to this podcast are probably sick of me talking about this, but they implemented replay assist midway through the season and didn't tell anybody they were doing it, and they don't have any protocols for when they use it, and it's it feels like the Wizard of Oz situation, which is exactly what you don't want to have happen in a year where you enter into agreements with five different sports books and you promote gambling twenty four seven on your network. It's shocking to me though that they don't get more pressure from the sports books because that's where I feel like they don't want to be in the business of a flawed call like we saw a few years ago in the NFC Championship game or four or whatever it was now, yeah. and then they pay out both sides, right? Like that's the last thing that they want. And maybe that act of, of or show of good faith would bring more betters to them saying, well, hey, if something like this happens, I know they'll have my back. That's not going to happen all the time. So it's a bit surprising that they would want that to be the case for any of these matchups or games. All right, last one. Maybe we didn't need a seventh team in the playoffs. It seems like the super wild card weekend uh, hasn't worked out maybe the way they thought. Um, seven seeds are now 0-4 over the last two years, and three of the four games have been double-digit blowouts. Uh, I'll push back on that and say that the that it, the seventh seed, one, it, we get more football, uh, which more football good. Um, I like two, that. you know, look, the, the, the two seed no longer gets the bye. But they get the reward of playing this bad team that limps into the playoffs most of the time. And occasionally we'll get some good seven seeds, I'm sure. Uh, and then three, you know, if you have a lot of times, usually if you have a bad wild card weekend, it sets up for a pretty good divisional round weekend. And I think that this divisional round in particular with these four matchups could be outstanding. 
it'll be outstanding. I think the other way you could push back on that argument too is, okay, I mean, we had one upset, right? San Francisco beat Dallas, which I think if you asked a lot of people in the NFL community, they kind of said, yeah, I could easily see that game going the way it did. So yeah, wasn't think- really surprising a lot of people out there. But, you know, for the most part, like, all right, like, out, you know, Cincinnati and Las Vegas was close, but, you know, the Cardinals at the five seed, they got blown out. You look at the other side um, and the Patriots got blown out. It's kind of like, all right, Maybe the five and six seeds didn't deserve to be in there either, right? If you're going to make that argument, so right. I'm with you. I love more football. I think we're only only going to get more football. I think you're going to get you're going to see a world where we get probably <laughs> we're going to go that direction at some point. Um, and so people better prepare for not even having to deal with the team on a buy, and maybe you get even more blowouts uh, added to this. But like I said, going into the game, that's not what you're thinking watching these matchups. You're excited about it. We're excited about talking about. The third time that New England and Buffalo get to get to play and score off versus one another. Yeah, I, yeah, I, more football is great. And look, they're going to be there'll be more upsets in the moving forward. I don't need these Danny Cannell, you know, no bowl game, no more bowl games. Hot take, get out of here, buddy. <laughs> um, love Danny, but yeah, just don't need it. Uh, all right, that's it for the show. As always, Brady Quinn, a pleasure talking to you. We got a lot accomplished today. We did. You know? we, yeah, we checked everything. You know what, though? We didn't mention the buildo, and that was something that oh, still, we didn't mention the buildo. Still trying to figure out how they got it in there. I heard there were patent people down, so it like was like one that of was two sizable buildo. Yeah, and Kendrick I mean, Bourne was Kendrick Bourne was big mad. He's like, "What the? What is this?" He's like, he's like "Oh my gosh!" Yeah. I, I'm always impressed, though. I, I wish we could see the toss. Was it end over end? Did someone try to spiral that thing to cut through the window? Yeah. Was it a helicopter? Like, we don't know. To do like two or three people stand up in front of him and then he bombs it over them so that way security can't see who it is. I mean, it's, it's a, did you see how they picked it up? Like I always wanted to use a claw or do like, cause like, I feel bad for the person that has to like go grab it. It's like, do you drive a crash bag out there? Which there's more jokes that come along with that. You know, you kick it off the field. And yeah. It's like, you just kick it with your foot. I mean, like, what do you do at that point? Like, I think this one was a kick. It was a kick at least off the field of play, but then I don't know what happened when it's, you know, 10 yards off the field of play. Amazing. I mean, no one wants to touch that thing. No, God, no. Cause we also yeah, don't know. Be used. We don't know. You don't know how it got in. How do you get it in there? Yeah, how do you get it in there? We don't know. You don't know how it got in, and you don't want to know. All right, there we go. We that we accomplished everything we needed to do. Great job, Brady. Thank you. Talk to you next week, buddy. All right. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus.